We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Nuggets up 54-40 on the Lakers. 4.30 to go. They're 11.5-point favorites. We already got a one nothing lead for Arizona. <sighs> Bottom of the first now. Uh, but Kyle Schwarber now up to the plate. Well, he's, he's been up there, but, you know. And by the way, it's not Brandon Fett. It's Brandon Fought, as uh, Scott Lynn pointed out to me. Knows a guy that knows a guy that knows the family and says they've actually, most people have been saying it wrong. So there you go. I always wanted to say, but that's not. That's not how you say it, right, Scott? Correct. It's okay, fought, cool. and uh, it's right. with a K because he just struck out. Yes. Isle Schwarber. Uh, well, as we know, I Add see the that. K. Dad joke. Good job. Well done. Uh, Kyle Schwarber does two things. He strikes out or he hits home runs. So you're going to get one. You're going to get the other. This time, we get him to strike out. So our buddy Chase Kitty jumps on with us now, Lions Edge Podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess um, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm still kind of I'm kind of hurting from this past weekend in the NFL. Was uh was rough for the public, rough for a lot of people. Did you come out at least decent? Did you make it out of that bloodbath a lot of people had to deal with? Uh, I'm I'm okay. A little mm-hmm. positive from the NFL over the weekend, so I feel fortunate in that way. College the last couple weeks, I have not been able to throw a rock in the ocean. <laughs> so I think smarting a little bit from that, it's just been kind of like tight card, tight podcast, keep it moving, couple of picks. Don't overextend yourself. Oh, really? Don't overextend yourself. That's a that's a really good tip. I wish I would have known that since. Tristan had a rough day yesterday. Now I've had a rough couple of weeks, <laughs> Chase. I don't actually know the first. You know what it is too is the first five four. We'll call it first first five weeks of the season. I was betting, I what I thought was very sharp. And the public was just winning favorites, 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 favorites. And I was like, all right, I guess it's just going to be a favorites kind of public year. And then as soon as I started taking these these trendy dogs, these big favorites, then all of a sudden sharp money's winning. I don't know what to make of it, heads or tails. What's my out, Chase? What do I do? I, if you're truly feeling like you're like you're bent over backwards and you don't know what way is up, I don't know. Maybe just you you start pulling a Costanza and you start doing just the opposite of whatever Fading you think yourself. is going to work. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the wave. I don't know what's up and I don't know what's down. So help me win some of my money back because we've got Thursday night football. Buccaneers eight and a half point dogs against the Bills. Bills haven't looked great. It's a short week. My gut says the sharp money is going to be on Tampa. I kind of like Tampa as well. And, you know, we're in that part of the season where we're kind of like you're alluding to. You're, you're starting to see some people give some money back to the house, right? So I, I, I always want to be careful about labeling one side as sharp or square or the other when we're in this sort of second quarter, middle of the season phase. But it does feel to me like in September, I wrote a lot about how good Buffalo was and how popular Buffalo had become. I think at one point, and even right now, they have something like 20% of the AFC championship handle, which is way more than every other team, including Kansas City. So there's a lot of position on Buffalo in the market because of how strong they looked in those opening five weeks. But they've put, like, six guys on IR the last two, two and a half weeks. It it seems like the defense has degraded. They're one and two the last three weeks. They're lucky to be one and two because they probably should have lost that Giants game when you consider 
The Giants have two drives that end on the one-yard line. They get zero points out of it, and it's a one-possession game. So it really feels like, to me, Buffalo, it's not even a regret. I talk so much about regression. This is not a regression problem. This is a substance problem. They're not playing well right now. I think Josh Allen maybe has an undisclosed injury uh, from, from watching him and how how he's moved and the plays he has elected to make or not make. There's something wrong there with this team. And I don't see why you lose to the Patriots, you lose to the Jaguars, you're lucky to beat the Giants. Why should you be laying north of a touchdown in this spot against anybody, let alone a team like Tampa that is, I think, competent? I don't know if they're as good as they've been in the past, but they're competent, and that's a big number. Let's look at the rest of Week 8 where it's kind of an ugly slate, man. You look, we have one game where both teams are over 500. That's not, uh, it's not a, a long list of, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch this game, this game, and this game. Uh, I, I guess for me, I'd probably say, like, maybe Bengals 49ers is one of the games I'm looking forward to, only because the Bengals have started to kind of turn things around, though I'm still kind of questioning, you know, if that offense can get a full rhythm. 49ers coming off of two straight losses kind of feels like a take-it-out-on-the-Bengals situation if they can get a little bit healthier. What's the game that you're kind of targeting right now early on that you like, whether it's a side or a total? I think Texans-Panthers is one I kind of have an eye for. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye, so you don't necessarily have any kind of net rest advantage. But you're dealing with two young quarterbacks and two relatively um, unestablished coaches in their respective positions. I, I know Reich's been there before, but like the, the Carolina uh, regime is still pretty new, and obviously D'Amico and, and Houston is still new. It feels to me like Houston knows what it is much more clearly than Carolina does. And I think what a lot of people are going to see here are two kind of ugly franchises who aren't quite anywhere close to the peak of what they could be in the future. So maybe people don't necessarily want to get involved in a game this ugly. But I think there's a clear distinction here between one team knowing exactly what it is and what it wants to do and one team being completely listless. I think three here is a pretty nice number to get. The other one I see is Brown Seahawks. The total here is 40. I think it's going to go down even though it's already pretty low. I think Cleveland's defensive front is just going to rock my guy Geno. I think neither offense is going to find much success. And I think this is just going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, kind of like Cleveland has mostly played except for, of course, the strange, bizarre Colts game that they just found a way out of. Yeah, that was a very strange game. 70-something total points scored. Uh, what do you make of this Jaguars-Steelers game? Steelers somehow, I don't know how, are 4-2. and two. I really have no idea how they have the same record as the Browns considering how bad this defense has been, how inept this offense has been, but they go back to the crib and they get a Jaguars team that's kind of found their rhythm and found their defense. Yeah, I, I was looking at point differentials today, not that that's the be-all, end-all stat. But Pittsburgh's four and two, and there's have something like a minus twenty six point differential, yeah. and it just it doesn't really make any sense. And in most cases, you know, I'm, I'm such a law of large numbers guy. I think I would make the case that hey, at some point, you know, regression's going to kick in, and that could absolutely be the case with them. But Pittsburgh does this kind of stuff all the time. They they, they, they have an uneven offense, but they're really good on defense, and they're really good 
you know, in the coaching game, and it, they always feel like they make the right decisions in the right moments. And I, I just think that can be hard to beat, especially when you're playing at home with that kind of home field advantage. We overstate home field advantage all the time. Not, not with Pittsburgh, right? Not, not with a well-traveled home or away, almost doesn't even matter kind of fan base like that. So I, I do think Pittsburgh, even though it's messy, it's ugly, the numbers don't really support what they do, I kind of like them to keep doing this funny we just say that about the Steelers all the time right like there's certain teams certain coaches where you just you never really want to totally count them out and it's funny because like started to feel like that's what a lot of us were doing myself included I finally gave up on the Patriots and said well this is finally it it's over and then of course we watched what you know happened last week against the uh the Bills and I go okay well I guess there's still something there left for the Patriots look they're nine and a half point dogs at the Dolphins we know the Dolphins have owned them even when they were a good team in the past the Patriots even come back and cover in that one yeah, I really think, you know, going back to the discussion about the Bills, I think that outcome was a lot more about what's wrong with the Bills than mm-hmm. what could be right with the Patriots. So I, I don't really change my evaluation of who New England is mm-hmm. at, at this point. They're they're probably the worst team in that division. I the the issue is, do you really want to lay all those points with Miami? And I'm not sure that I do. Um, so it, it's it's one of the firmest passes for me of the day, but I think I, I think the Dolphins could definitely be a teaser target at least. Where do you put the Ravens now that they absolutely demolished the Lions, which looked like Most a top them. five team, but also they've found their offense in in ways that we were hoping they would when they hired Todd Munkin. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it this way: when you have when you have a guy like Lamar playing quarterback, and we know how dynamic he is, and you have the culture that Baltimore does, if you're that kind of team, if you're a Ravens, if you're a 49ers, uh, maybe maybe an Eagles, you're going to have two or three games a year where you just smoke somebody, where just everything you do goes right, everything they do goes wrong. And I think that's what the Ravens did. We, we've seen what the Ravens are when they're at their best. And, you, Nick, you were talking about losing bets. That was a big L for me this weekend. Oh, I was yeah. one for two on the big bets. Yep. I was right about the Eagles over the Dolphins, and I couldn't have been more wrong about the Lions beating the Ravens. So there was that. I, I am not going to totally overreact to that Ravens win. I, I really do think it's a high-water mark and a glimpse at what they can be when they're at their best. I just don't think they're going to give you that every week. So if – you know, it's it's all going to be numbers based. It's all going to be, well, what price do I have to pay to buy them going forward week to week? But I am not going to radically change who I think they are, uh, even though I do think we've seen some some pretty steady movement in the futures market, moving the Ravens up the board and up the board, even in a crowded AFC. Yeah, I actually really like the Ravens to start the season. I did bet them to win the Super Bowl, so I'm going to be rooting for the Ravens the rest of the way because, I mean, it's been look, it's been an up-and-down season just in general, it feels like. Just unpredictable, a lot of parity around the NFL. Some of that's bad, some of it's good. But it's funny, like, you mentioned the Lions. I'm looking at the NFC side of things. It's still 49ers, then Eagles, then Cowboys, and Lions all the way down at 7-1 to to win the NFC. Obviously, the Lions have certainly climbed more. They were kind of a, a dark 
darling, fun public pick through before the season even started, and then it kind of continued, especially after their win over the Chiefs. But right now, I mean, we've watched these top teams in the NFC. 49ers lose two straight. Eagles have had bad performance and then good performance against the Dolphins, and we know where the Cowboys are right now, and then obviously the Lions and what happened against the Ravens. Who is the team that you trust the most in the NFC right now? I still think it's San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I, I still think if they're healthy, if you know they've got a great production, all things considered, out of a super cheap rookie quarterback that I don't even think is making a million dollars this year. They've got dudes all over the, you know, all, all over the field on both sides. Special teams is good. The coaching is good. If they are healthy, they're my team. Now, interestingly, I mean, you, you nailed it on on the four teams, right? Those are the four. When you look at the NFC odds board. It is those four, and then draw a giant line, and everybody else is below them. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that it can't be somebody from below those four, but it's probably going to be Detroit or Dallas or Philadelphia or San Francisco. And, you know, take out the odds, take out the math, take out the prospect of return. I like San Francisco. I do think Detroit is interesting from an odds perspective because Dallas, I think, has shown you – you know, when they lose a couple pieces on defense, we've never really seen Dak do it in the playoffs, you know, beyond the wild card you know, level of the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia, it just feels like there's a rock in their shoe, kind of. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, and, and, you know, they could be there at the end just because they've got home field advantage and everything. And, it, it, you know, the institutional momentum of how the playoffs are set off could work for the Eagles. But I feel like the Lions in some ways have the least amount of volatility in who they are. And I'm saying that after they got absolutely demolished in Baltimore. I understand that. But they are going to attack you with offense and they're going to attack you with aggression. And I think those are things that you get rewarded for in 2023 in the NFL. So I do still think they're a really interesting futures ticket to hold. We talk about home road splits. I'm curious your thoughts about the Taylor Swift, non-Taylor Swift splits. Uh, Travis Kelsey, an absolute beast when she's in the building. Uh, looks like their relationship's starting to tick up. There's some physical contact being documented. Her kiss on the cheek, her hand God. to the chest. How much more of this are we going to have to take? I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. As, as a card-carrying Swifty who also thinks that all of this is still fake, uh, she's going to leave the country in a couple weeks, and we're all going to stop talking about this. God, I hope so. I hope so. We still got about, like, 45 seconds here. I know you're a JMU alum. What do you think about, like, all these politicians now, everybody trying to campaign to get the NCAA to waive that stupid rule they have so they can play in a bowl game? They've been great this year. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. I don't care. I mean, I, I really don't. It's 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 a bowl game. Wow. It's I mean, what are they going to play? Because there's no way they're getting to New York's New Year's Six bowl game. They, uh, the beat writer from Harrisonburg actually emailed, like, the college football playoff committee, and, like, it's not happening, which means the best-case scenario is, like, hey, we're going to go play in the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Like, and I don't care about that. I, I care much more about being 12-0 and at the end of the year and having that to feel proud of. Who cares about a bowl game? That's always the bowl game that I use as an example, too. It's the most ridiculous name and always will be, although Gronk now has a bowl game named after him, so I don't know. Everything's jumped the shark. There's too many bowl games to begin with anyway. Great talking to you, buddy.
Yeah, be good, guys. Chase Kitty. Always good to talk to him. Yeah, it's uh, the JMU thing is weird. It's a dumb rule. Two years in and they can't be in a bowl game. They're not counting records. Sack to- It's just dumb. It's bad MGM tonight.